Let's all bow before Almighty Yahweh. Father, we come before you today. We thank you for the blessings of this Sabbath. We thank you for the blessings of this ministry. We thank you for bringing the uh, new families here, That uh, the growth of the assembly, and uh, your word is going out. Uh, you've certainly been with this ministry, so we, we praise you. We give you all credit, and uh, certainly uh, it is all you. And we uh, thank you for just uh, blessing uh, us and blessing this ministry, blessing what we're doing here. We pray that you would uh, continue to be with the folks here and, and uh, those watching online. We know that there's many Yahweh watching online and um, certainly uh, worshiping you that way. And so we pray that you'd be with your people today. And uh, we ask all this in Yahshua's beloved name. Hallelujah. Y'all may be seated. It is a uh, blessing to uh, see everybody here today. And um, another week, another opportunity to uh, worship Yahweh, to hear his word, to praise, and I, I really enjoy the music and just everything that we do here. It's just such a blessing. We're you know with everything going on in the world today, I want to talk of, about what it means to be an overcomer. You know, what it means to be an overcomer. I thought about many titles for this, maybe, you know, how to receive our crown or some other titles, but really I want to focus on that topic. You know, how do we overcome, how do we achieve the promise that's awaiting us in the kingdom in the life to come? You know, as Yahweh's people, it's important that we never lose heart, that we never lose faith, that we never lose that gumption, that, that, that conviction within us. We must remain steadfast, unshakable within the faith. You know, I think I can speak for most of us, if not all of us, when I say that this world does not make that easy. And this is true more and more as we go on today. This world is becoming harder and harder. And I'm not going to go through everything we're seeing today. I'll reference it here and there. But this message is not really the chaos that we're seeing today. It's more of a message of encouragement. You know, we all know about the coronavirus, the anarchists, the defamation of Yahweh's word. And again, there's certainly reason to be concerned in this day and age. But as believers, we should not allow these things to discourage us. We should be overcomers. So again, today, is this really is a message of hope. You know what I've seen in the last few months is, again, certainly troubling. And in some ways, and I've, I've heard from believers saying that it's caused them to question their faith, has caused them to weaken their faith. You know, for me, though, it's actually increased my faith. I'm not sure why that is, but Maybe it's just the obstinate nature that I, that I am or that I have within me. I just refuse, and uh, so it's really increased my faith, I believe, everything we're seeing today. No matter how bad this world gets, we know that Yahweh's kingdom is coming. And that's really a great promise. We know that Yahweh's kingdom is coming, and there is no power in this universe that can um, stop that from occurring. And that's the one promise we really need to understand. That's the one promise we need to keep in mind. That no matter what occurs within this world, no matter what happens, no matter how bad things become, we know that there's a great promise awaiting. And we know that there's nothing in this universe that can prevent or stop that from happening. You know, as we see in prophecy, man will try. You know, we can look at prophecy such as Zechariah 12, and we can see how man will literally fight against the Messiah when he returns to this earth. But we know that, according to prophecy, that their attempts will not succeed. They will not succeed. Now, as a believer, what must we do to be found worthy of this prize? What must we do to be found worthy of this kingdom, of this 
promise of everlasting life within, again, Yahweh's kingdom. Or in short, I believe we must be an overcomer. I believe we must be an overcomer. We must do those things that are pleasing to the one we worship. So today I want to share with you what, what I believe it means to be an overcomer. Some of the things we should be doing, some of the things maybe we should not be doing. But how do we become an overcomer based on Yahweh's word? Or, you know, when I was thinking about this, the first thing that came to my mind was faith. I think we have to begin with faith if we're going to speak to this topic of an overcomer, what it means to be an overcomer. So I want to begin with uh, James. James 1, starting there in verse 6. It says there, But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. You know, that's such an important passage there, that we need to ask in faith, nothing wavering. There, there should be no doubt. There should be no apprehension. For he that wavereth or doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven with a wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of Yahweh. You know, as we see here, our faith, it says, must be unwavering. It says here that those who doubt, those who suffer from disbelief, it says here that they're not going to receive nothing, anything, from our Father in heaven. You know, we see a similar passage in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is known as a great faith chapter. And uh, within Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says that it's impossible to please Yahweh without faith. You see, if we want to please the one we worship, we must believe in him. And it's just not a real simple belief. It's a deep-down conviction. It's a conviction that no matter what is happening within our life, that we know that we have him with us. That is what we should be doing. And again, that is one part of what it means to be an overcomer. We must have faith in Yahweh. So let me give you some examples. Let me just pose a few questions to you. Do you, do you believe that, that our Father in heaven, that, that, that great I am, is able to uh, see us through personal trials, tribulation? Do you believe that he's able to protect us during this pandemic? Do you believe that he's able to provide us with shalom, with peace during these uncertain times? And again, I know there's many reasons to be concerned today. But if we have faith, I do believe that Yahweh can provide us with that shalom, with that peace, not to be so concerned. You know, the big one is, do we believe that he's able to offer eternal life within his kingdom? I know a lot of people believe or say they believe that, they confess that. But deep down, do we really believe that? Or are there doubts within our mind that what we do or that promise that we believe in is that really true? Will that actually happen you know, understand that if we're going to receive anything, anything from him, it says here that we must believe in him. You know, having faith in our Father in heaven is so important. I believe that our walk as a believer must begin with faith. It must believe, begin with a conviction in the one we worship. If we don't begin with his faith, everything I think we do beyond that is really vain. It doesn't matter what we do at that point. It doesn't matter what that is. You know, no matter what is occurring, we must have faith in our Father in heaven. This means if we're going through some sort of persecution, maybe we're going through some sort of financial strain, maybe we're suffering from depression. And, you know, there's a lot of people today suffering from depression. A lot of suicides are up, depression's up, anxiety's up, because everything we're seeing in this world today. But as believers, this should not bother us. We should not allow these things to bring down our shalom, to bring down our peace. We should have faith in him that no matter what happens in this life, that we know that we have a great advocate, that we have a great father in heaven up there watching out, seeing us through, watching and making sure 
that we are living and doing his will and that he is helping us fulfill that cause. Now, another attribute of an overcomer is fortitude. You know, I believe that fortitude is so important. And not just even in religion, but life in general. I believe that fortitude is something missing from so many people. They just don't have that drive. But as believers, this is very important to have the fortitude. Now, according to Merriam-Webster, fortitude is defined this way. It's a strength of mind that enables a person to encounter danger or bear pain or adversity with courage. So that's how it defines fortitude. You know, for me, fortitude also means having the courage and devotion to remain true to Yahweh, no matter what happens in this life. There's no turning back. There's no turning around. There's no going back on the promise we made. You know, we see an example of this really important passage, I believe, in Luke 9, verse 62. Luke, chapter 9, verse 62, Yahshua says this, And Yahshua said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of Yahweh. You know, the message here is this. We cannot compromise once we commit to Yahweh, our Father in heaven. There's no going back. There's no redos. You know, it's like when I talk to people with baptism, one of our points we cover is that this is a solemn vow, that there's no retakes. You know, once we do this right, we are committed to the cause. We can never go back and say, you know, I made a mistake, or I wasn't ready, or I want to do it again. You see, once we put our hand at the plow and once we make that commitment, we are obligated to that cause. And again, there is no turning back. And if we turn back, it says here that we are not fit for the kingdom of Yahweh. One of the worst things we can do as a believer is to seek immersion and then go astray. Now, that's not to say Yahweh can and will not forgive us if we go astray. But I've seen people go astray and never return. In that instance, there is no hope, I believe. Once we've been immersed, and then if we defy him and reject him, that's it. That is it. So how can we be guilty of going back on the promise where I kind of hinted toward one? The, the extreme example is forsaking the commitment that we made at baptism. That is by far the worst thing we can do as a believer. But, you know, there's also smaller ways we can, we can uh, be guilty of this. Let me give you some examples. You know, maybe instead of keeping the feast, we use that time for a personal vacation. I've seen that over the years. So people say, I just can't come this year. And then you find out they took a week off to go somewhere. Yahweh's days come first. That's just the way it is. You know, instead of giving what is holy to Yahweh, we take our tithe and we use it elsewhere. Well, that's kind of a sensitive topic, but I believe that the tithe is holy to Yahweh. I, do, I believe that it belongs to him. And I believe that if we don't give it to him, that we are robbing him. Another example is instead of keeping the Sabbath holy, we work on the Sabbath because, because of pressure from our employer, maybe. You know, who, who are we going to put first, our employer or our Father in heaven? You know, are we, are we going to allow our employer to determine how we worship? You know, as believers, we must not compromise our commitment to our Father in heaven. That's the easiest way to become an overcomer. You know, understand that there is no greater promise than the one we make at baptism. And I really try to convey that point when I counsel those being immersed. I really try to emphasize that point because I believe that to be true. You know, we believe here that marriage is for life. Very strongly do we support marriage here. But as strongly as we support marriage here, I also say that the most important commitment we will ever make in this life is baptism. 
It's not marriage. Because someday that marriage will come to an end. You know, when that spouse dies, we are free from that covenant. But if we go under the waters of baptism, we are committed forever, forever. That doesn't go away when we die, not during this life. A baptism, we commit our lives to Yahweh. We promise to forsake him, our selfish wants, and to follow him no matter what happens. And that's what we should be doing as believers. So as believers, looking back is never an option. We must always look forward and remember the promise that we made a baptism. And for me, this is a big part of what it means to be an overcomer. To never look back. To have that fortitude, that strength, that courage to continue on no matter what happens. It means that we follow through with our promise no matter what happens in this life. And as we know, this world, again, doesn't make this easy. Especially with the current pressures we're facing within this nation and the world. Again, we're seeing a pandemic, we're seeing civil unrest, we're seeing all kinds of horrible things in this world. But we must not allow that to diminish our faith, to diminish who we are as believers. Now, another characteristic of an overcomer is simply obeying our Father's word. This is a real important one. You know, in the world, it takes a lot of courage and commitment to obey the one we worship more today than it's ever taken You know, we see a great example of this, I I believe, in Deuteronomy 13. Deuteronomy 13, verse 4 says, You shall walk after Yahweh Elohim and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and you shall serve him. And listen, it says, You shall cleave unto him. So we find here that, number one, we're to do what? It says we're to fear Yahweh. Number two, it says that we're to obey him. Fearing and obeying Yahweh is such a pivotal, pivotal truth. The word fear comes from the Hebrew yare, means to reverence or to frighten. And I believe both definitions that apply here. I believe that as believers we should be fearing him and we should also be reverencing him. I believe that we must do both. Some people say, no, we just simply need to show respect. Or Paul says that we should work out our own salvation and fear and trembling within the New Testament. And he's wrote, he wrote that to believers. So we are to walk in fear and trembling when it comes to our Father in heaven, but we're also to show reverence to him. So we are to fear Yahweh as we find within the word. Now the word obey here comes from the Hebrew shema, shema, which means to hear or to listen. You know, if we want to be an overcomer, we must listen to the one we worship. And that's a kind of a novel idea today, to listen to the one you worship. Certainly not something we hear in most churches today. You know, I know uh, this again sounds simple, but believe me, many... Many don't understand this or grasp this notion of what it means to obey the one we worship. Most people have no interest in obeying their creator. And, you know, I think we can see the result of that today in this nation. For too long, his churches in nominal worship have been preaching messages of anti-law, anti-morality. And, again, I think we can see the result of that in this world today. Kids are just lost and people are unhinged. This world, again, is lost in sin and many know longer understand what is morally right and wrong. They've lost that ability to comprehend morality, and I believe that. You know, in Romans 1, it talks about how those who pursue sin, how Yahweh is going to give them over to a reprobate mind. And I think part of a reprobate mind is a mind that is incapable of knowing right and wrong, a mind that is incapable of discerning what is true and untrue. And I think we see that today. So many people, they just have no comprehension. It's not that it's open rebellion. They truly do not know. 
They truly do not know. They have no comprehension of sin. You know, as a nation, we've lost our moral compass. And nothing drives this point of home more than what we're currently seeing in this nation. Again, we're seeing anarchy, looting, the burning of buildings, murder, open rebellion, and much, much more. I could go down the list. This nation of ours is becoming unhinged and losing any vestige of remaining morality. Now, when I think about an overcomer, a man that also comes to mind is Joshua. And I want to talk more about this man as we go through this message. But it's remarkable what this man was able to accomplish during his life. It really is. And I don't think he gets enough credit in many ways. People don't focus on this man. I'm going to read what he says in Joshua 22, verse 5. And again, this is very similar to what we read here in the previous passage. Joshua 22, verse 5 says, But take take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law, which Moses, the servant of Yahweh, charged you, to love Yahweh Elohim and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cleave unto him, to cleave unto him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Now, there's a lot of lessons we find here. I want to just go down a few. Number one, Joshua here tells us to uh, take heed to Yahweh's commandments, to listen, to obey Yahweh's commandments. Number two, he says here specifically that we're to love our Father in heaven with all our heart and all our soul, that we're to love him. And he also says here that we're to cleave, that we're to cleave unto him. Now, I believe these uh, four principles, these four principles are the foundation of a believer's life. These are the things we should be doing. It's a great synopsis of what we should be doing as believers And it begins, as we see here, with obedience. You know, as we saw in Deuteronomy, we must listen. We must listen Shema. We must obey the one we worship if we're going to be an overcomer. And it's just really that simple. If we're not willing to listen, we're not going to achieve that status of an overcomer. We must also, it says, love him. Love him. But it goes on to say here that not only love him, but love him with all our heart and all our soul. You know, according to our Savior in the New Testament, To love Yahweh is the greatest commandment within the word. There is no commandment greater than to love Yahweh. And how do we show our love? How do we show our love? We show our love by obeying him. That's what scripture says. We show our love by obeying him. We see that in 1 John 5, 3. We show our love by obeying him. We obey him. If we love him, we're going to obey him. And that obedience will not be grievous, it says, according to scripture. So we... Obey, we love him by obeying him. It also says here that we're to cleave to him. Now, I want to spend just a few moments talking about this word cleave. It's from the Hebrew debak. It means to cling or to adhere. The King James translates this word as to abide fast, to cleave fast together, to follow close, hard after, to be joined together, to keep fast. So we find here that this Hebrew debak, this word, implies a close-knit relationship between us and Yahweh. We need to have a close relationship with the one we worship. It's not just going through the motions. It's not simply coming to Sabbath. It's not simply sitting in a chair and listening to a message or singing songs. It's also about finding a way to have that relationship with him, how we can cleave closer to him. We're to abide and we're to be joined with him. So how do we do this? Or we're to fear him, we're to reverence him, we're to obey him, we're to love him. That is how we cleave to the one we worship. So what's the last principle we find here? It says here that we must love him with all our heart and all our soul. Well, that phrase refers to our entire being. 
everything within us should first focus and point to the relationship we have with him. The word serve here literally means to be a slave or to be in bondage, if you look at that word within the Hebrew. It means to be a slave or to be in bondage. This is what it means to live for him. You know, when we go through the waters of baptism, we are placing ourselves under his authority. This is what it means to be an overcomer. That means understanding the commitment and the devotion required of us. You know, it begins with understanding that our lives belong to him and that everything we do in this life should first follow his will. Everything we do should first follow the pattern of his will. If we believe otherwise, we're missing the mark as a believer, and we're really in sin if we're doing otherwise. Now, another man who showed incredible faith, commitment, devotion to Yahweh, certainly an overcomer, and I'm going to talk more about him as we go through as well, but is the Apostle Paul. I love the Apostle Paul, such a great man, such a great evangelist. And uh, here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, Always abounding, he says, always abounding in the work of Yahweh, for so as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in Yahweh. Now, Paul says here that we're to remain steadfast. He says here that we're to remain unmovable. Now, the word steadfast comes from the Greek heteroios, heteroios, and literally means to set sedentary or by implication, immovable, immovable. So as believers, we're to be in a fixed position. So what does this mean? You know, this is no different, I believe, than Yahshua's analogy of the rock that was built upon, or the house that was built upon the rock. You know, in Matthew 7, Yahshua said that the floods came, the winds blew, but no matter what happened, because that home was built upon that rock, that, rock, that home was safe. Nothing happened in that home This is what it means to be an overcomer. No matter what life throws our way, no matter what tribulations we suffer, no matter what trials we encounter, that our faith is like a home built upon a rock or that it is unmovable, that it is, that it it, it cannot move, it is sedentary. Now notice what else he says here. He says that that our labor is not in vain, the word vain here comes from the Greek kinos and means empty, empty. You understand that when we serve Yahweh, our efforts are not empty or without purpose. Those who serve him now will receive great things to come in the life that he promises in the future. We should never forget about this promise. It should really drive us. It should motivate us. Everything we do in this life should, be, should, should focus on this one driving promise. You know I, know, I know life can be disappointing. I know life can be discouraging. But as his people, we should never give up hope. We should never give up faith. Because again, we know that what we believe in, the promises that we find within the word, are not empty. They're not vain. And as long as we're overcoming in our faith, we will succeed, I believe, in the end. You know, remember also, it's not about the now. It's not about the present. You know, so many people, and I believe we're all guilty of this, every single person I believe in this room and every single person listening, including me, we're all guilty of this, and that is we allow this world 
to distract us from what is important. We allow this world to distract us with what is really important. And we need to be cognizant of that. We need to be aware of this and not to allow it to pull us away, but to remember that there is something greater to come. You know, with this in mind, I want to read what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. It says there, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which Elohim hath prepared for them that love him. You know, Paul says here that we can't even imagine, we can't even fathom the greatness of Yahweh's kingdom. Do you believe this promise? You know, I, I do, and, and, and I hope you do too. I hope we all believe this. I hope that we believe that there's a great promise that will just blow our minds when we fully comprehend everything with it. You know, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul describes the first resurrection. I'm not going to turn there, but I want to just share a few things from that passage. It says there that we were sown in corruption, but we will be raised in incorruption. It also says that we were sown in dishonor, but we will be raised in glory. We were sown in weakness, it says, but we will be raised in power. And lastly, it says that we were sown in a natural body, but we will be raised a spiritual body. You know, those who are suffering, and I know there's those here, I know there's those online, you suffer from pain, you suffer from, from, from hurting. We know that in the kingdom, this isn't going to exist. There will be no more pain. There will be no more hurt in the kingdom when we are resurrected. As we see here that as we were sown a natural body, we're going to receive a spiritual body. We're going to be, I believe, angelic. You know, Yahshua and the evangels compared us to angels. He said we're going to be like the angels in heaven, that we're going to live forever. So I believe that we're going to be angelic just as the angels in heaven are angelic. I believe that we will share in all ways of the angels in fact, Yahshua, too, it says that we're going to be raised here in power based on what Paul says, power and glory. The word glory is from the Greek doxa, splendor, brightness. And we know that Yahshua was resurrected in glory, as we find within the Greek. So we see some great promises, some really great promises. Now listen, the resurrection, though, is only the beginning. After this, Scripture says that we're going to reign with Yahshua in the millennium. And then after the millennium, we're going to reign forever with our father Yahweh in New Jerusalem when he brings that down from heaven. Again, Paul says here, I has not seen or ear heard the great things that await those who are faithful now. This is something we need to be cognizant of. And this should really motivate us. And we need to be thinking about these things, especially in these, these concerning times. Because I think if we contrast, if we just sit back and we ask and look at the promise of this life and then the promise of the life to come, we're going to see this great, great contrast. We're going to see how much more this new life will mean. And I think it kind of puts things into perspective. It allows us to put things into perspective that no matter what is happening in this life, that as long as we're an overcomer, as long as we're doing those things we should be doing, as long as we are living as we should, as long as we're putting Yahweh first, as long as we're not being distracted, that nothing in this life, nothing in this world, nothing in current events should really get us down, no matter what happens. 
I know people are concerned about this world and they're concerned about the election. They're concerned about so many things that we're seeing. But again, as believers, if we're putting Yahweh first and if we're putting our faith in the promise of his word, nothing that we're seeing should really matter. That in the end, we know that we're going to receive something far, far greater, something vastly greater than what we have in this life. What we see now and what we have now is nothing, is nothing compared to the promise that we're going to receive at Yahshua's coming. It is going to be so vastly better, and you can't even comprehend, you can't even compare the two. But we know until that time, we will suffer. There will be tribulation to be had. In fact, we see this in Acts 14, verse 22. Yahshua spoke about this to the disciples. Acts 14, verse 22, it says, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, and that we must, it says, through much tribulation, much tribulation enter into the kingdom of Yahweh. You know, those who say that living for Yahweh is easy, or they've never either lived for Yahweh, they simply don't know. Living for Yahweh is not easy. Living the truth is not easy. There's nothing easy about living the life of a believer. The calling that we've committed to is one of obstacles, one of, one of separation, one that we're going to draw the line if we must because of the faith that we believe in. You know, as his people, we're called to live differently, to live according to a greater and better purpose. In a world that proudly embraces sin and all forms of immorality today, Living the truth is difficult. It really is. And I believe it's going to be harder as time goes on. But as Yahweh's people, we must anticipate these challenges and have the mindset that we're going to remain steadfast, that we're going to overcome, that we're going to be okay as long as we're living and doing what is right based on his word. It really is that simple. It's not complicated. In fact, I believe that nobody complicates Yahweh's word better than just man. Man complicates Yahweh's word. If we simply read it and follow it, it's amazing the blessings that we can receive. It really is. And you know, for those young people too, and I would just encourage you to really consider this message. Is a lot of young people, you know, if you're in your early 20s or your late teens, it's a very pivotal time in your life. And I tell people all the time, you know, what that the stage you're in right now is going to set the tone for years and decades to come. You make good decisions, you're going to be blessed. You make bad decisions, it's going to follow you, and it's going to haunt you for many, many years. It, could, it can, I've seen it. You know, how many realized and realized the uh, persecution that Paul went through? I mean, this man really went through a lot of persecution. He understood what it was, as we find here in this passage. I want to talk a little bit about what Paul and also Peter and John and the three Hebrew men, and uh, these are three very good examples, I believe. And and I I spoke about the uh, three Hebrew men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in my last message. I want to read it and talk just just a few moments about these examples talking about, again, overcoming, talking about standing strong, not allowing this world to to, uh, push us aside, to uh, concern us. So Daniel 3, starting at verse 16 through 18, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, 
We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our Elo, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace, and he will also deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, now listen to what he says here. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy mighty ones, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Now we know that Nebuchadnezzar set up his large image. And when the uh, instruments played, everybody was expected to fall down and worship this image. But we know from the story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused. They stood up. They stood up because they would not worship anything other than Yahweh. Because of that, we know that the king threatened and eventually threw them into a fire furnace for their defiance. But, you know, here are some of the lessons we find. Number one, we see here that faith mattered more than life. Faith mattered more than life for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They recognized the punishment. They recognized the persecution. They recognized the trial. But we find here from the story that they were not concerned. They were willing to accept the consequence if it required and meant that they must and would follow Yahweh. And the consequence was nothing short. I mean, the consequence was being burnt to death within a fire furnace. But they were willing to accept that. They realized also, I think, that something greater awaited. And again, I think that's what drove these men. They realized that even if they would have died within that furnace, that there was a great resurrection waiting. And that if they devoted their lives to Yahweh, if they were overcomers, if they refused to relent, if they put Yahweh first, if they followed him above man, that in the end, inevitably, everything would be okay. Now, I believe either case here, they would have been okay. If they would have went into that fire furnace and they would have been consumed and burned with that fire, I think they would have been okay. Because Yahweh would have resurrected them at the return of his son. But as we know from the story, that wasn't the case. We know that Yahweh sent an angelic being and Yahweh protected them through his divine protection and they came out without any burning without any any sores any any consequence because again they put their faith in Yahweh and this is a great example for us you know this is one of the most extreme examples I believe of an overcomer I mean these three men they had every reason to bow down to to compromise what they knew to be right but they refused they held strong, they were convicted, and they were blessed because of it. And it really shows it, no matter what, and, and, and this is a great story too. Do we believe this? Do we deep down believe that there were three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that went into a fire or furnace, but Yahweh divinely delivered? Do we believe that? Or do we believe it's just a, a, a nice story within Scripture, maybe true, maybe not? Where I believe is true. I believe that Yahweh can divinely deliver from fire. I believe that Yahweh can divinely deliver from any tribulation, any persecution, any trial. And if we're going to receive that type of divine deliverance, we must have that same faith as these men did. And tell the persecutor of whoever it may be, 
that I will not comply. I will not comply. I will follow the word of my Father in heaven. Now let's look at another example. Acts 4, 19 through 20, it says, But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of Elohim to hearken unto you more than are unto Elohim, judge you. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We know that Peter and John were being persecuted here for the message of Yahshua the Messiah. They were being told not to share this message, not to preach this message, not to speak of this message. And as we see here, he sent, they simply told their persecutors that they had to obey the message, what they saw and what they heard. And they asked, you know, what is, you know, is it better to obey Yahweh or is it better to obey man? Now, this was a rhetorical question. Everybody knew what they were saying. It's a pretty simple response, and that is we're to obey Yahweh before we obey man. And, you know, we can take this, and, and I've, I've certainly applied this to many, many situations I've been asked about throughout the years. You know, things like, should we work on Sabbath? Or again, I think this would apply. I would say, is it better to obey man or Yahweh? If it's better to obey Yahweh, then no, we cannot worship or work on the Sabbath. So it doesn't matter really what it is. I mean, if, if we come against an obstacle and the issue is, do we do this, which is being determined by man, or do we do this, which is right according to Yahweh's word, we do that. We follow the truth of our Father in heaven. It's not complicated. Now, it takes faith. It takes courage. It takes fortitude. It takes integrity. It takes many, many attributes, but we can and we will succeed. So one more example. This is an example I really um, admire in so many ways. So this is the example of Paul. I said that we would come back to Paul. So it says there in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three to 28, it says, Are they ministers of Messiah? I speak as a fool, I am more. And labor is more abundant and stripes above measure and prisons more frequent and deaths oft or often. Of the Jews, five times received I for, uh, 40 stripes, save one, because they couldn't go beyond that, so they'd stop at 39. Thrice or three times I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep and journeys often and perils of waters and perils of robbers and perils by my own countrymen and perils by the heathen or the pagans and perils in the city and perils in the wilderness and perils in the sea and perils among false brethren and weariness and painfulness and watchings often and hunger and thirst and fastings often. In cold and nakedness, besides those things that are without, that which comes upon me daily, the care of all the assemblies. You know, nobody, nobody in my mind, except Joshua, of course, suffered like this man. I mean, Paul suffered in so many horrific ways. Suffered from all these things we find mentioned, beating, stoning, shipwrecked. Suffered from hunger and robbers and pagans and Suffered from his own, own uh, kinsmen. And then we also see here that he had all the pressures of the assemblies upon his shoulder. This man suffered a tremendous, a tremendous amount. But we know that Paul was a giant 
amongst believers. Nothing was going to deter this man. Nothing was going to stop this man from fulfilling his cause. There was one point, I shared this in my last message, where he was being cautioned from going back to Jerusalem. And he said, look, he says, I don't care. He says, they can imprison me. He says, I'm ready to die. It does not matter what they do. This is my mission. This is my cause. This is why I'm here. This is what I will accomplish. And that is the kind of fortitude. That is the kind of faith. That is the kind of of gumption that we must have as believers. If we're going to be overcomers, we must have this same faith. It doesn't matter what is occurring. It doesn't matter how bad this stinking world is getting. The only thing that really matters is our faith in Yahweh and the faith within his promises. Do we believe in him? Do we believe that he exists? Do we believe that he's going to give us eternal life within his kingdom? If we believe these things, then everything else is for naught. Now, I'm not saying don't live and don't participate and don't try to make improvements, but don't worry about it. Don't worry about it because we have a greater promise. We have a greater calling, and it's just something we need to really, really be cognizant of. You know, Yahshua in Matthew 20, uh, 10 verse 22 talks about how we're going to be hated for his name's sake. Matthew 10 verse 22 says, And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. So Yahshua prophesied here that we would be hated because of him, because of him. You know, as we saw in Acts 4, Peter and John, they were hated. They were hated. And they suffered persecution because of the stand they took on the Messiah. You know, while we have, um, still have freedom now in this nation to preach the truth, that freedom may not always exist. And I'm seeing that more and more slip away. You know, someday we may not be, uh, someday we may be persecuted for simply mentioning the name of our Savior. We're speaking out against something such as homosexuality or abortion, something that the Bible clearly condemns. And yet many churches, they refuse to recognize it. And it's not because they don't know. It's not because they don't know. It's simply political correctness run amok. You know, in some ways, I don't see this day too far off. I believe that many of the freedoms we have in this nation are under attack by what I would call the radical left. I can see a day in this nation when we no longer have the freedoms. We have the freedom of speech the freedom of religion, when we have to go elsewhere, go in hiding, concealing our ability to speak and to worship as we see. And, and, and many people might say, well, I can't see that happening in this nation. Look at this nation. Look at how this nation has changed in the last few years. Look, as, look at how this nation has transformed in the last few months. It can happen. And I believe it may happen. If that day comes upon us, will we have the faith to stand? You know, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we must be willing, we must be able to look persecution in the eye and be okay with that and to do what is necessary. You know, in this passage, Joshua said that he who endures to the end will be saved. Salvation comes to those who remain steadfast to those who overcome, to those, again, who will not compromise his word. I want to close with two passages, uh, James 1, verse 12, and also Revelation 3, verse 21. They share a similar meaning. So James 1, verse 12 says, Blessed is a man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, 
He shall receive the crown of life, which Yahweh provide, hath pr- promised to them that love him. Revelation 3, verse 21 says something similar. It says, To him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame. You see, Yahshua too had overcome, something we often don't think about. And I'm set down with my father in his throne. You know, these passages, again, have two things in common. They both speak, number one, about overcoming. And number two, about the promise of Yahweh's coming kingdom. So we find two promises here. You know, as we see in James, as believers, we will suffer trials and tribulation as this time continues on. Now, the Bible does speak about Yahweh taking some believers into the wilderness. And I believe that many will be taken out into the wilderness. But before that, I do believe that many will suffer some form of tribulation, some sort, some form of persecution. And you know, one thing that, the thing that always concerns me is that I see some people out there just, you know, they, 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 uh, they pull away. They, they just have no root within them to withstand. And they fall very easily, spiritually speaking. And I'm telling you, we haven't seen anything yet. I don't believe we've seen anything yet. And if you can't handle the pressure of what we're seeing right now, Yahweh help you in the days to come. It is not going to be better. It is not going to become easier. It is going to become harder. If we cannot deal with the persecution, if we cannot deal with the garbage that we're seeing today, we will not deal with it in the days to come. We must be steadfast. We must be resolute. We must be willing to do what is necessary to withstand and to show Yahweh that he is our first priority. We see here that those who overcome these trials, it says that they're going to receive the crown of life. We see that in James. The crown of life is salvation within our Father's kingdom. That is what it represents. So we find here that those who overcome and remain faithful to him, that they're going to receive the blessings of life eternal within the kingdom. Now, again, as we also see in Revelation 3, verse 21, we will also sit with Yahshua at his throne, that rulership. Won't that be great, you know, to be with our Savior? Such wonderful promises. And all we need to simply do is to hold firm, to remain steadfast, to overcome, not to give in, not to compromise. You know, there's not a greater, there's not a greater mission, there's not a greater goal than the one we find here. Yahweh's kingdom, this crown of life. This promise of sitting with Yahshua at his throne, this supersedes all else and should really make all our trials minuscule, small, not real important. You know, no matter what we face in this life, we need to really focus on the future and the promise of that future. As we see in also Revelation 21 verse 4, we see there that in the kingdom, in New Jerusalem, there will be no more death, there will be no more pain, no more crying, No more sorrow. These things, the things of this world will pass away. The things that we read about, this sorrow, this pain, these things will pass away. And as believers, we're going to rest in the goodness and the grace of our Father in heaven. It's going to be a great time. It really is. So as believers, let us focus on these promises. Let us focus on Yahweh's word. Let us be overcomers. And let us not allow this world and, the, and, and what we're seeing in this world, to pull us away, to weaken our faith, to diminish our faith. But let us remember what we have waiting. Because again, everything we're seeing in this world is going to happen. I'm not worried about it. It's going to happen. 
But we need to remember who we are and what is promised to us. So I think if we do that, if we are cognizant of this promise, nothing else matters. Nothing else. May Yahweh bless you.